Welcome to Wrestling Goons Radio, the podcast from the IWC for the IWC, and this is Wrestling Goons Radio, WrestleMania Fallout Raw Edition. I am your host today, Brian Compton. I have with me today, Daniel Tanner. We got a lot to get into, so let's go ahead and uh, thank Max Sports Channel and Power Power Station FM. Sorry, let me redo that intro real quick. Okay. He can edit it. We have a lot to get into today. First, we want to thank Max Sports Channel and Power Station FM. Catch us online at wrestlinggoonsradio.blogspot.com and check us out on social media and download us on iTunes and Stitcher. Daniel, thank you for uh, being with us today. Awesome. Thank you. It's great to be here. I got a lot on my mind about Raw last night. I'm sure you do as well as everybody else in IWC who watched uh, WrestleMania or was there live. Now, one question I do have for you, a lot of people are upset with WrestleMania. They feel like Raw was the only chance that they had to, quote-unquote, fix WrestleMania. My question to you, sir, is do you even feel like WrestleMania needed to be fixed, or was it even broken? Um, It didn't need fixing at all. I don't know why people felt like it was broken, because they didn't get the, the guy that they were going for didn't win. I mean, everything was cool. If you guys go back to the uh, post-WrestleMania show that we did, I gave it an A-. minus. I thought it was great. However, this Raw was supposed to be the most anticipated Raw. Of course, all Raw was supposed to be the most anticipated Raw after WrestleMania. And this one, I, I don't know. I was a little, I was a little disappointed in this one. And um, But we did get some cool surprises, though. We did get some nice surprises. I was fortunate enough to be there live, and I may be a little biased, but I agree I didn't feel like it needed any fixing, but some people did, and this, after all, is not about WrestleMania, but the fallout of WrestleMania and the Raw afterwards, so we'll go ahead and get into that. This Raw started out with not Roman Reigns coming to the ring, which was a pleasant surprise to some people, but... Vince McMahon himself. Did you feel like this was a good way to open the show? Absolutely, because actually Shane McMahon uh, versus Undertaker was kind of like your main storyline, but even though it wasn't in the main event, it was like your main, your your meat and your potatoes of this whole storyline, and you had to come out, and Vince had to say, hey, stick it to Shane McMahon, and I have to say the crowd was cool in the beginning by singing his theme song. But the thing that got me that a lot of people were upset was like, well, what was the point of Shane McMahon losing if he was going to take over Raw? Anyway, well, it's a win-win. Undertaker wins. Shane McMahon gets to run Raw, whether it's that night or maybe he might run Raw, you know, for the rest of the year or so. But I thought that was cool. It was definitely, uh, definitely interesting seeing Vince McMahon come out, and as we've stated, a lot of people will agree that that was the best move for WWE to have him start out the, the show. The crowd definitely seemed to like it, but we will get into the crowd a little bit later because we have our own issues with the crowd, I believe, despite their excitement for Vince McMahon. Now, with Shane coming out, as you've already mentioned, It seemed like Shane was giving his farewell speech to the audience and to the WWE Universe. And Vince McMahon decides to 
relinquish control of Raw for one night just to see how Shane's going to run the show. And I have to say, it does kind of take away from the, the match for me that I saw at WrestleMania. There's kind of a hole in the storyline as to why would you have your son go through this if you're just going to let him try his his hands at the match anyway. But that's the sadistic side of Vince McMahon right there. He doesn't really have to have a reason other than to see somebody go through some pain. I think he kind of gets off on that a little bit. But the uh, the show's going to kick off with the New Day versus the League of Nations. And that is, to me, going to be just a rematch of last night it's, or the night before. It's just going to be a replay of the same match. And I honestly didn't see a point of having them come out. Do you agree or were you happy to see this match again? Um, here's the thing about the night after WrestleMania. It seems traditional that you're going to have some rematches every year. I don't know why they do it, but it is what it is. Because to me, I feel like WrestleMania is like the end of a chapter and then you begin something new. Um, I was okay with New I mean, of course, it's New Day. New Day rocks. I'm not sure if you're a big fan of New Day, but they rocked. They rocked at WrestleMania. They rocked on Raw. And the match itself was cool. Um, the only thing I have a problem with, which is kind of sad, but yet at the same time, I understand is when uh, Barrett was attacked. I mean, we kind of already knew that Wade Barrett was going to be leaving WWE soon, or at least the rumors were speculating that his departure was coming. And I'm sure this was probably just a way to write him off of TV until his contract expires, possibly. I, I do want to add the only difference to this match, other than the one at WrestleMania, was the tag titles were on the line. It, you had Kofi Kingston and Big E versus Wade Barrett and Sheamus. This was, you know, one of those, we're going to go ahead and kick out Wade Barrett, write him off TV, but it alludes into one of the better storylines that they've come up with so far, and that is the inevitable and long overdue babyface turn of the Wyatt family. Were you happy to see the Wyatt family come out and attack League of Nations, or are you disappointed that they're turning babyface now? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't care for the Wyatts, really. Um, not anymore. Rather they're heel or faces. I, I'd rather for them to be heel because I feel like they still have unfinished business. At least Bray Wyatt does has unfinished business as a heel. You're a face now. It's like, what's your purpose now of being a face? You're being a goody goody two shoe when you're supposed to be a dark cult leader and out of could care less if you're beating up the League of Nations or the new day like you're supposed to be buried at wrestlemania and you're trying to make face of things like come on like well the, the white should just be done with could it be that a, another hill can attack a hill and still i mean almost remain in that gray area where they're not subservient if you will to the fans they're not just 
they're not going to turn into John Cena overnight. It's not going to be one of those where they water them down, so to speak. I feel like they could still have the same storyline, still have the same vignettes, but you're going to put your attention towards some of the bigger heels in the company. You do have the League of Nations, which are no stranger to the authority and not shy about showing their allegiance to the authority. And let's face it, Bray Wyatt is one of the biggest antagonists to the authority that the WWE has right now with down with the machine. That's, that's their motto. So, so it, it makes sense. It's It's been down with the machine for so long. It's like, are the machines still around? Because like we have the authority, but we don't have the authority really at the same time. It's like, what more can the authority do as far as Triple H and Stephanie? I mean, in my opinion, Vince McMahon is the authority. But as far as the wife, it's like, okay, you feud with the League of Nation, You beat them or they beat you, then what? I mean, now we see Braun Strowman. He's a face now because of this group turning faces. Like now he's going to be easily beat up here and there and take losses and whatnot. And it. It just doesn't make sense to me, to be honest with you. Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel like with Bray Wyatt being a face, or at least a more appreciated heel, do you feel like he's going to have more momentum going into his matches or in his bookings and maybe pick up some more victories? Actually, he might pick up some more victories, but to me, it's like, regardless of what he does as a face, it's like... We want you to be that heel. We want you to be, I don't know, some sort of vindication of you being this heel and you preaching about how you're the eaters of world and the new face of you. You can't be all that if you're a face, really. You you, you just can't. I know. I understand that Undertaker could be a face or whatever, but Undertaker is far beyond legendary compared to Bray Wyatt. I need Bray Wyatt to get some momentum as a heel and. I rather see I rather see Barry Bray Wyatt as a champion heel more so than a face though, but I don't even think he's gonna be a champion anytime soon. So I don't know. Well Well we can uh we can sit here and talk about Bray Wyatt and the endless possibilities for that guy all night long. We'll go ahead and get into the next match, which somewhat an underwhelming match with Sasha Banks and Summary. Now, the match came about, Summer Rae coming out, and pretty much saying if she was the leader of Team Bad and Blonde, they never would have lost at WrestleMania. Bold words from a woman who's wrestled maybe four matches in her entire career. But nonetheless, she goes on to insult Sasha Banks as well and mock her for losing her triple threat match at WrestleMania, which I may add, she didn't lose technically because Becky Lynch tapped out. But either way, we get a match one-on-one, Sasha Banks, the boss, versus Summer Rae. Were you excited about this match? Did it do anything for you? Okay, I'm I'm happy that we get to talk about this, because let me tell you something. First of all, screw the crowd in that match, because that match could have went on longer and could have been a lot better. I mean, I thought it was okay, though, but... The crowd really wasn't into it. I felt like that was like the weakest moment of the night as far as the crowd. Two, I'm still pissed off that Sasha Banks did not win at WrestleMania. Three, 
Ric Flair, you can go blade yourselves down below because you called Sasha Banks the championship. And I'm pissed off about that. But you know what? Now that Sasha Banks lost at WrestleMania, it kind of like puts her back in the line. And like, I'm pissed off about that because she's far superior than any uh, wrestlers in the locker room. I think she's a top 10 talent amongst men and women. So, I mean, it's whatever. Emma, not Emma, um, Summer Rae. I think Summer Rae's getting a little bit better, though, in some ways. I, I kind of like her role now, but, I mean, Sasha Banks is far superior in the ring than Summer Rae. Uh, I definitely feel like she's improved. Uh, unfortunately, she's she seems to be the, the one out of her and Fandango's team up that actually has more popularity and more of a, a push right now. And she was just the valet. So, I mean, with the match itself, I wasn't, like, displeased with it. I'm with you. It could have gone longer. But I'm I'm optimistic about Sasha Banks and her role in the possible title scene, you know, coming up. There are so many possibilities now that I think they're just starting to establish feuds now. And that's refreshing. So I'm, I'm anxious to see where it leads. But I agree, it could have it could have went longer. And we can argue about the crowd all night long because let's face it, the crowd to me was garbage. But we'll get into that more later let, on let in me, the show. Let me ask you a question. Maybe it's just me, but it's probably not. But go is, ahead. Is it me, or does it seem like anybody that Emma? I keep saying Emma. Summer Ray hooks up with or teams up with, or a valet with, is just cursed. Like, from Fandango Dolph to Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler to Rusev even. to I think she was with uh, Tyler Breeze, right? She was with Tyler Breeze, and she was in some storylines with uh, Dolph Ziggler. It's like, I... once, once you're with her, and she's like, breaks off with you or vice versa like your career just takes a toll downward it, it it seems that way but i'm glad that you bring that up and you bring up dolph ziggler and the curse because that leads us into our next match dolph ziggler versus the winner of the third annual andre the giant memorial battle royal and my boy the lone wolf baron corbin I can't tell you how excited I was to see his mug walking down the ramp at WrestleMania. And I turned into the hugest, you know, fanboy of Baron Corbin. It was ridiculous. But the curse is real, apparently. And Dolph Ziggler realized that firsthand the hard way. Baron Corbin comes out, makes his raw debut against Dolph Ziggler. And in my opinion, pretty much beat the crap out of Ziggler. And this goes back to the crowd. I don't know who they were chanting you sold out to, but they were chanting you sold out. And I can only assume that they meant that to Ziggler because he was jobbing to an NXT guy. But along with Barrett, this guy's probably not going to be there much longer. So I don't really see what kind of push they're expecting to get from him. But obviously the match was great to me. I think it made Baron Corbin look real dominant. Ziggler didn't get a loss, so it didn't make him look weak. 
it did uh, end with a double countout. Do you feel like this was a impressive debut for one of the NXT guys, or were you underwhelmed? Um, actually, it was very impressive because it showcases what kind of person he is. In case no one watches NXT faithfully, such as myself, I watch it once every blue moon. But I actually like Baron Cor- Corbin. Um, I think he's going to be a good heel. I don't think he's going to be a top heel anytime soon, or I don't think they're going to push him in that direction. However, the fact that he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal is a good indication that he's being pushed in the right direction. And what better person to help him get over just a little bit than Dolph Ziggler. But Dolph Ziggler, well, no one cares about him no more, it seems like. But um, I'm looking forward to what the feud um, Baron might be getting himself into later on in his career. I think we might as well just accept the fact that Ziggler is probably going to be a jobber for the remainder of his uh, stint in WWE. And I'm okay with this if it means putting putting over NXT guys. Because speaking of NXT, this Monday Night Raw, and after the 10 count ending the match between Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler, I wanted to call him Tyler Breeze. That's not a good thing. Not for Tyler Breeze, at least. After the 10 count, Baron Corbin begins yelling at the ref, saying that it's your fault what's going to happen. It's, it, this is your fault. And that leads to Baron Corbin taking Ziggler back to the apron of the ring and hitting the end of days to Dolph Ziggler and pretty much laying him out cold on the side of the ring. That was, uh, in my opinion, a very devastating and dominant debut for uh baron corbin's main roster debut would you would you say you agree uh absolutely because uh baron corbin he's that whole lone wolf sort of gimmick doesn't need anybody he has like that classic heel persona i just hope that he doesn't like i said doesn't get lost in the shuffle amongst other talent because he does have potential, though, but I'm not sure if WWE creative sees anything in him or any other higher-ups. Only time will tell, and we will see what is in store in the future for the Long Wolf. Speaking of impressive debuts in the main roster, we have Apollo Cruz, who's well-known in the independent circuit as Yuha Nation. He's made his debut on Monday Night Raw against not only or none other than Tyler Breeze. This match right here, it's mainly just to to show the dominance and the agility and strength of Apollo Cruz. Tyler Breeze has kind of been the guy to put over Apollo Cruz in the past. Although they they do put on great matches, it's kind of disappointing that they've put Dolph Ziggler, I'm sorry, Tyler Breeze in this spot. See, it's happening in both directions. I'm going to call Dolph Ziggler Tyler Breeze, and I'm going to call Tyler Breeze Dolph Ziggler. Hey, you know, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Billy Gunn being related to um, Tyler Breeze. I mean, Dolph Ziggler hits the famous from time to time, so they they may all be related. But we'll uh, 
cool. Yeah, um, Apollo Crews, I was very impressed with him. I haven't seen a lot of him, really, down at NXT. I just know that he has a incredible physique and agility and speed. The only thing I can't stand, maybe I'm wrong for this, though, but I don't like the compar- comparison to him and Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley, he was okay in WWE. Maybe he's been better in TNA, but he never, to me, never had the same athleticism as uh, Apollo Crews has now. And I think that Apollo Crews has the potential of being a top star within the next two or three years. But again, it all depends on creative and all the higher-ups, how they see him and, you know, where they... uh, Lead him in. I I met Tyler Breeze over the weekend at uh, WrestleMania weekend at Access. He's a pretty cool guy. He's not as big as I thought he would be in person. Brian, are you there? I apologize. Uh, I, I agree. I actually met him at uh, WrestleMania weekend at Access. He's not as big as I thought he was going to be in person. So, I mean, TV probably doesn't take much away from him i mean he is kind of a smaller guy but the guy's he's very talented the way he operates in the ring he's known for his you know good looks and his mannerisms as far as posing for his selfies but when it comes down to business the guy can think he can go in the ring and he gets brutal i'm with you i hope that they put him in some better bookings you know, I would have liked to seen him in his own match, showcasing what he can do in the ring versus just jobbing to Apollo Cruz. I mean, so I mean, I, Tyler Breeze's character is like to me. It seems like it's been done a thousand times before, or gimmicky wise. I understand it though, and a lot of people are upset that he hasn't got the push that he deserves. But I think it's coming soon. It's just that it's a little slower. And the fact that you have so many guys from NXT coming up now, um, he's going to not necessarily get lost in the shuffle. He's just going to be, well, pretty much in the shuffle somehow. But I think that someone like Apollo Crews needs a win. And, you know, maybe not necessarily from... Tyler Breeze, maybe from somebody like a one of the social outcasts or something like that, though. But it's not a knockout Tyler Breeze, though. But I just don't see him being involved in anything serious right now. I I agree. I can't help but agree. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is in WWE creative. Uh, this leads us to the moment we've all been waiting for so to speak, I think. Some people have been waiting for it. I have been waiting to see what kind of reaction he was going to get. The new WWE champion, Roman Reigns, comes out to address the WWE Universe after his underwhelming victory, I would say, at WrestleMania, to say the least. And not a man of many words, which, as history shows, is a good thing for Roman Reigns. He comes out, looks at the audience. Of course, they are already booing. And he just simply put, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. 
And quite frankly, that's all the guy needed to say. And as long as he starts shooting promos like this, it's a step in the right direction for me. Would you would you agree? Absolutely. It's like, what more do you need from Roman Reigns than that particular promo? It was pretty much a slap in the face of the crowd. It was a slap in the face to the IWC. I loved it. This is something that he needs to keep up doing. I don't care for Roman Reigns being a good guy or a good top guy. I don't think necessarily him being a heel will actually save him or help him out because regardless, good, bad, they're going to still boo him. Whether it's justifiable when he becomes a heel or whatever, let's say he switches over to being a heel and changes to being a face, they're still going to boo him. People have it said in their mind that they're just going to boo Roman Reigns just because. But for me, I, I, I would suggest that Roman Reigns keep doing his thing have that I don't care attitude. I'm just going to do me and everything will take off. Well, there were some people that would probably disagree with the fact that Roman Reigns was the guy. And one of those men just happened to be uh, the Ayatollah of rock and roller himself. Y2J. He decides to come out and interrupt his Roman Reigns speech and demand the title shot that he should be the, the next guy in line for a shot at the title. And where Roman Reigns wasn't so reluctant to agree to that, you have some other guys that decided that they wanted to come out and insert themselves in the title scene as well. Out comes Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and none other than the phenomenal one, AJ Styles. Now, I know some people are kind of confused that AJ Styles loses to Y2J at WrestleMania the night before and, you know, thinks he deserves the title shot. But let's face it, he's AJ Styles and a loss doesn't change that. You have what ends up being a four-way match for the number one contenders match between Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Y2J, and I'm missing a fourth person. Kevin Owens? I thought I named him already. Kevin, Kevin Owens. Owens. AJ Styles, uh, Sami Zayn, and uh, Chris Jericho. Okay. So, do you think that AJ Styles deserves this title shot? Do you? I know that the WWE does not acknowledge the accolade, the, uh, Accolations of, I think I'm saying the word right, of AJ Styles outside of the WWE universe. But you know, do you feel like he deserves the title shot this this soon? Uh, are you asking my opinion as far as what happened in that segment, or you want me to jump ahead at the end of or whatever? Because I can give you my initial reaction. My initial reaction in that moment, I was like, oh, okay, this is great. We're not going to get another Chris Jericho and AJ Styles um, feud. However, in my mind, I'm like, there's no way he's going to be number one contender. Then I see Sami Zayn. I was like, there's no way he's going to be number one contender. Then I started thinking, like, maybe Y2J or um, 
Kevin Owens might be the number one contender. I'm pretty sure everyone would love for Kevin Owens to be number one. But for me, out of the four, I was like, okay, maybe Chris Jericho would be nice to be the number one contender. Maybe there might be a chance he could take the title off of Roman Reigns and have a nice little maybe retirement title run or something. Who knows? Wow, that soon, huh? Yeah. That's pretty cold. But I'm sure a lot of people would agree with you. So you're you're okay with with AJ Styles being an title pitcher so far? I mean, no, no, no you're I'm not. not. Okay, I'm not. I'm, I, I, just clearing, just making sure we're clear on that. You're not okay with AJ Styles being. I, I'm, in okay. The, I'm okay with the fact that we're gonna see a fatal four way. AJ Styles gonna you know be in a good match or whatever. But if he wins, then that's a totally totally different story. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet for right now and save it up to the end because I have a lot to say about that. And there's a lot that happens in between then and the end of the show. So we'll save it for the viewers till the end in case anybody hasn't seen it yet or they just want to hear what we have to say. So we're going to get a fatal four-way. We got Sami Zayn, Owens, AJ Styles, and Y2J. That in itself is a hell of a match and worth you know watching at the end. So... Before that, though, we have the new IC title holder, uh, Zack Ryder. He's coming out to defend his title against The Miz with, his, with Zack Ryder's father at ringside, which will come into play you know, at, at the end of the match. Was this a match, Daniel, that you were looking forward to, or do you feel like this is just a filler match for the show? Um, with Zack Ryder, I'm feeling, first of all, let me make myself clear once more that I'm okay with Zack Ryder being the Intercontinental Champion. And I was really, really hyped, no pun intended, with him being associated with wow. the hype ropes, Cheap plug. Uh that the crowd was saying that he deserved it. And I think that in so many ways he does deserve it. I mean, I think loyalty and being in the business and after so long of jobbing glorifyingly that you know here's a here's a a token and a thank you um i thought it was kind of funny that lillian garcia was like oh this is zach Ryder defending his title and they kind of like cut her off i'm like is are we gonna get a title fight uh match or not (laughs) but the the match itself was cool but I hated that Zack Ryder only had a one-day reign. But it was nice to see Maurice or, you know, whatever. But I just hate the fact that, you know, Zack Ryder didn't have a real title reign. And I'm okay with The Miz. I'm a Miz fan, though. But, you know, let Zack Ryder have his moment. Even though he had his WrestleMania moment. But let him have a run with the title for a a lot longer than that. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Maurice because she was pretty instrumental in The Miz picking up the title from Zack Ryder. As I mentioned before, Zack Ryder's father, who was at WrestleMania and celebrated with Zack Ryder once he won the title, was confronted by Maurice, who jumped out of the audience, slapped his father, and ultimately distracted Zack Ryder long enough for The Miz to get a roll-up on him and seal the victory. The 
the only thing about this match is that, like you said, it's it's kind of upsetting that he only had it for one night. But I'm hoping that this leads to a feud between Zack Ryder and The Miz. And that we'll see some intergender matches between Ryder and Emma versus Maurice and The Miz. I, that's the only silver lining I can see. And just to add to this, The Miz is now a five-time Intercontinental Champion. That's let, because he's awesome. Let that sink in for a little bit. So you really think Maurice is like back and she's going to compete or she's just going to be like a manager or something? I honestly wouldn't be surprised if she just never came back. Like if, if that was just a one, <laughs> if it was a one-time thing, but it just, it wouldn't make sense for it not. And it's kind of funny that she comes back now seeing that she was such a, you know, figure in the divas division that now that they changed it to the women's division that she comes back because a lot of people feel like she doesn't have a place in the in the women's division now and whether she people doesn't. and a lot of people would probably agree but you know right now it's she really doesn't because it is a women's division now not a divas division and they went uh, above and beyond to, to try and cement that in the uh raw edition I mean, the uh, WrestleMania Fallout edition of Raw. The next segment that they had was the, I guess, ceremony, if you will, of the the champion receiving her new women's title belt. So you have all of the women at WWE inside the ring. This would probably be the only portion of the show where I wanted to put my TV on mute. And it was simply because of the fans. I feel like this was the part of the show where they should have sat down and shut up if they weren't chanting anything that was of relevance. And I, I just, it could be me. I think there's some other people that will agree, though, that it felt disrespectful because you had Charlotte trying to break KFAB to thank the fans, and the fans are chanting Bailey. We want Bailey, and at some point they just started chanting random stuff just to disrupt the ceremony. And maybe I'm caught up too much in my feelings for it, but I felt like it was disrespectful. What do you think? Uh, you're absolutely right. It was disrespectful. This is the part where I just had enough with the crowd. It was disrespectful. I felt bad for Charlotte, despite the fact that I didn't want her to win at WrestleMania. She was trying her best to like, you know, just do her job and go through the through it, but it was quite difficult. You can see that it was quite different difficult for her to go through that segment and the crowd was being disrespectful. Of course, everyone loves Bailey or whatever the case may be, but Bailey's not there. Bailey's not going to come through that uh that back anytime soon. Maybe soon, but not in that moment. Um it got to the point where the whole segment was just so screwed because now obviously everyone just left the ring and we're going to get like, I guess, Charlotte and Natty for the women's title. And it kind of just like threw me off. And I was like, you know what? I don't even care about this segment because of the crowd. 
And I'm pretty sure it may be a good match, though, but I, uh, I'm being biased here just a little bit. I still want Charlotte versus Sa- Sasha Banks. And, but, um, and that's going to happen. It's just, again, just like we were talking about earlier before the podcast about some rumors that were circulating. There are certain things that need to build up, and I feel like they built built that up long enough. Sasha versus Charlotte. But at the same time, I feel like to really bring some legitimacy back, if you will, to the women's division, there's so many women right now that the possibilities are endless with storylines. And although it would be great to see those two women go at it right now and Sasha get the title, I really just want to be entertained. And I want to see some really good women's storylines because it, it's there. It's just they need to start allowing them more airtime and more. It, 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 it's it's there. And it started with, you know, the whole genetics of Charlotte being a flair and uh, Natty being at heart. It was there. It was just that the crowd wasn't invested in that segment and it made me feel like I should I, I wanted to be invested in it but I was just so pissed off and turned off by the crowd however going back to Sasha Banks I I feel like creative trolled us or trolled me because after um, Charlotte in what was it Becky Lynch match at the Royal Rumble and you seen Sasha Banks music hit I was like Oh my God, it's finna go down. We're gonna see Sasha Banks with the title, and it's gonna probably happen at WrestleMania. Now I don't know why they even put Becky Lynch in it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like yeah, we're supposed to expect Charlotte and Becky Lynch and that whole trio or whatever. But I didn't care. I want Sasha Banks to get her one-on-one match against Charlotte, and we didn't get that. And it's like she has to go in the back of the line, and she's far talented than what a lot of people give her credit for, and. I was going to ask you, too, that do you think there's a possible chance that we could see probably more women from the quote-unquote diva era make a comeback and maybe we could get a diva's women title and a women's title? I mean, it, it's definitely possible that others could return. If they, if they introduce another title to the women's division, it needs to be a tag title. And that that would do a, a a lot for some of the women that don't get a lot of airtime. I mean, when you're going from one-on-one singles matches, you might get one or two a night. You start putting singles matches on plus a title match and then you add some tag matches in there as well. And that's going to be a lot of opportunity for storylines and yeah, who's to say that you won't get a returning, you know, women's i hate to even say diva but a women's superstar if you will right i mean <laughs> i'm trying to get out of the habit of saying diva and it just it's, you, it's gonna take a while i mean the damn show is called total divas so i mean they kind of screwed themselves on that one but <laughs> i'm looking forward to see where what's gonna happen i mean i don't feel like sasha's in the back of the line because they put becky in in the match because people wanted to see it but they knew that it would give them someone to have tap out to Charlotte that's not Sasha. 
Well, do you think? All right. So here's another one. So with everything, the whole Ric Flair interfering, holding back Sasha, do you think they need to take it up a notch and say, hey, let's do a cage match with women in it? Because you want to give um, um, the women's division some recognition and, and be as important as the men, though. And I feel that in some ways you have to take it up a notch as well. Like, hey, we have men in cage matches you women are athletes you guys are professionals you guys are not this these nice looking supermodels you guys gotta you know be in some tough matches too i I, personally i would like to see a cage match one day i i disagree on that my thinking on that is cage matches and types of matches like that are gimmick matches and a lot of times they're booked like that to sometimes mask the fact that the the match may not be that exciting. I mean, perfect example, Shane versus The Undertaker. If someone was to say, okay, you know, say Vince came out and said, we're going to do an Undertaker versus Shane match at WrestleMania, you wouldn't be that excited about it. But if you said, oh, it's going to be in a hell in a cell, naturally the first thing you think about is Shane McMahon jumping off the top of the cell. Which, yeah, exactly. is, which is what happened. And I feel like to really put some spotlight on the women's matches, they need to be wrestling matches and strictly wrestling matches. It, and even in the future, I don't think they need to introduce that many gimmick matches as far as steel cages go. Because let's face it, they rely on their looks a lot of the times to sell merchandise and to to bring people in because I mean, let's face it, they're sexy women. You start throwing their faces up against still. I mean, you seen Becky's eye and that was a regular match. Yeah. It it was kind of funny. Becky went from looking smoking hot at the hall of fame ceremony to like, I hate to use this term and I may get in trouble for this. So this does not reflect wrestling goons radio. She looked at like she was in an abusive relationship or something. I was like, that eye looks pretty swole, pretty bad. Like, it was just messed up. Her eye kind of looked like what Ronda Rousey's mouth looked like after she lost the title. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll keep it PG. She still looked okay to me. You know, she still had a good right side of her face, so it's all good. Becky Lynch is still my favorite, so it's okay. We still support you, Becky. But. I love you, Sasha. Oh, okay. So so you uh you take your checks to the bank, I see. Alright, so now that we've gotten our little rant of the Divas division out of the way and all of our room- uh, it's the women's. Remember the women's. You are right, sir. The women's. I apologize. Oh, and we got to see Alita, so that's a bonus too. I mean that's always a bonus. So you start out with the the women's introduction. You end it with another rematch of WrestleMania, one of the matches that nobody really wanted to see to begin with, so much so that they put it on the pre-show and decided, hey, let's put it on the Raw Fallout edition. So they do. It's the Dudley Boys versus the Usos in a tables match. Now, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people would probably say that this should have been a tables match at WrestleMania. And quite honestly, the Usos are getting as many boos as Roman Reigns right now. And do you feel like this was a match that was a good idea to put on the Fallout edition of Raw, or do you think this was just overkill? It was absolutely overkill because no one likes the Usos. I think the Usos are talented, but sometimes I think they're involved in way too many um, matches at times. It's like, let them take a break or have a night off here and there. And I'm kind of like to the point with the Dudleys that they've overstayed their return, I think. I mean, I'm not saying that they should like just leave now, but it's like you got the Dudleys. Unless you have Edge and Christian or the Hardys, I now don't too much care. And unless you're going to make um, Bubba Ray into Bully Ray, I don't care. However, we kind of now know that the reason why um, the Dudleys stayed after that match, which they won in that tables match, which was like, to me, the best segment of the night. And I'll let you get into that. Well, before we get into that, there's one small thing that I don't know if people caught. I mean, I called it pretty clearly, but, you know, typical rules to a tables match are that you have to physically throw your opponent through the table, correct? Um, I would imagine, yeah. Okay, so in tables match, typical fashion, you go to throw yourself through your opponent that's laying on a table. If you were to go through that table by your own doing, the match continues. So the Usos, top of the top of the ropes, crowd's booing because again they're stealing the Dudley spot. And the crowd's not getting what they want, so they're gonna boo. They throw themselves through the table because the Dudley boys move. Well, the ring announcer rings the bell. Lillian Garcia goes to announce that the Dudley boys have won the match. Bubba Ray gets irate and just starts screaming at the the ring announcer and Lillian Garcia. Scream just like, what are you doing? Why would you ring the bell? We haven't won yet. So tells him Bubba takes one of the Usos and throws him through the table and he's like, Now you ring the bell. Now we've won the match. Like, what the hell is your problem? What are you doing? And like that to me was like the best spot of the match because Do you think that was planned or that was just off the fly? I definitely don't think that was planned. It just it seemed too organic for it to be fake. I mean it was or to be scripted because it just I don't see a point of it being fake, like what other than to see Bubba Ray get pissed off, which was funny in itself, but from what I hear, Lillian Garcia actually got in a legitimate argument, a heated argument at ringside with the ring announcer. So that leads me to believe that you know, he really did ring the bell and it was on accident. So Lillian Garcia just you know, followed suit and went along with it and announced that they won. Now, the funny thing is, how are you going to tell who you threw the table? Like, hey, I'm about to throw you through this table. 
we haven't won yet, but they just announced that we won. So <laughs> you're going through another table real quick. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I quit. <laughs> the match is over. Let's go have some beers backstage. But you know what? Lillian Garcia just probably had a bad night on Monday Night Raw because she's probably because I heard also she also got into it with the whole mistaking of um, announcing the Zack Ryder putting his title on the uh, line and stuff like that because they cut her off. So she's probably had like a really, really bad night. Yeah, she it, Raw wasn't a good night for her. She's probably thrown off by the fans. Shame on you fans for throwing Lillian Garcia off. But the uh, the Dudley boys, as you alluded to earlier, they did stay they did stay outside after the match was over, not to celebrate, but to just be heels and berate the the audience a little bit. And they were interrupted by another debut to the main roster, one that has been way long overdue and much anticipated. And it was Enzo and Big Cass. Although they were short Carmella, it was great to see those two come out. And they came out with the biggest ovation that I've seen in a while for a debut and just ripped the Dudley boys apart. Some of the stuff that he was saying, Enzo was just laying into to Devon, telling him, if you want to get in the ring, I'll hit you so hard, I'll make that lazy eye work again. That, that stuff was funny as heck, dude. I mean, it had the crowd rolling. And it's, it was one of those debuts that you wish you were there live just to feel the energy from them coming out. And I'm surprised, actually, because... Enzo usually doesn't talk that much, and I mean he has some really good lines coming out there about each one of them, and you know it it was really cool seeing them come out. I mean, how did you feel about them making their debut? Uh, I marked out like I just marked out all crazily when I hit uh, heard that music hit. I was like, wow, can someone please pinch me? And I think that Enzo did a great job on the mic, and I want to say that it's safe to say that it's over, that they're over. Like everyone, pretty much know who they are, and you know, hopefully they'll win more matches on the main roster than they have in um, NXT. But that was like the moment of the night or segment of the night. And hopefully we'll see uh, the Dudleys put them over. I mean, the Dudleys could probably beat Enzo and Big Cass or whatever, but it wouldn't even matter. It's like, you know, you're getting your feet planted into the main roster, making a name for yourself, even though a lot of people know you. But what I'm looking forward to, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people in the IWC is looking forward to, is the day that Enzo and Cass go head-to-head against the New Day. That's going to be gold or even diamond. That's just That in itself, the promo for their matches is just going to be amazing. It's it's going to be a laugh riot. I mean, I, just, I, I couldn't even fathom the two of them going back, or the, the five of them going back and forth. Although Big Cass doesn't really say much and doesn't need to, but it... It's great. I mean, 
just the the presence that Enzo and Big Cass have in the ring, it in itself is is awesome. They really don't even have to do much, and you know they they've got that presence and the ability to speak on the mic and interact with the fans like the New Age Outlaws had when they would come out. And I feel like they have a really bright future ahead of them. And I'm I'm really anxious to see where creative takes them because it sounds like Enzo's coming up with his own stuff, which is kind of refreshing because, you know, like Roman, Roman he's so busy, you know, saying the scripts that they give him that it's doesn't seem authentic. And that was part of his problem coming out. If he just speaks on his own accord, then he's actually not that bad on the mic. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens with it. But speaking of Roman Reigns, but before we move on, I just have this question. Do you think that somewhere down the line, they might stick somebody with um, Enzo and, cast to make some sort of trio outside of Carmella? I honestly don't think that they need it. Um, they they pretty much have, you know, it sounds cliche, but they, they kind of have the total package. They have the mouthpiece, they have the muscle, and they have, I feel like they have that it factor that, you know, kind of like the New Day has. New Day has everything they need. The muscle, the strength, they have the, the agility and the speed of Kofi, and they have the mouthpiece of of Xavier Woods. So it's possible that they will. I just don't feel like it's needed. I feel like it might be overkill for them. But uh, who, yeah. who knows? Hopefully uh, Carmella comes up soon because... Um, She's a great entertainer as well, and she compliments them. She does, and I was hoping that she would debut with them and at least be somewhat of like a valet for them and then continue as a singles competitor in NXT. I think that would be the best role for her to to get herself established down there, but maintain her role as a valet so she'll get so much exposure and learn a lot from the women on the main roster, but I didn't see her. Hopefully that'll change though. Uh, we do have that fatal four way coming up for the number one, number one contenders match for the WWE title. And I know we were speaking of Roman Reigns. There are quite a few people that feel like others deserve the title and they're going to get the opportunity coming up to, bow for that WWE title and take it off the hands of Roman Reigns. Before we could get into that, though, Kevin Owens backstage takes out Sami Zayn. And, of course, now we know that Sami Zayn is not going to be clear to compete in the Fatal 4-Way. We do know that a Fatal 4-Way is going to happen. So we get all of the people out in the ring, all of the competitors. We have Owens... We have Y2J and AJ Styles in the ring. Lillian Garcia comes on the mic and announces that it still will be a four-way, that their opponent is none other than a returning Cesaro. Now, a lot of people were speculating as to who was going to be the one returning. 
are you happy with Cesaro returning? And was this the superstar you were expecting to be in the four-way match? Uh, actually, I was I was okay with uh, Cesaro returning. He looked great. I like the whole suit and uh, attire thing and, you know, whatever. I was not initially expecting him to come out. I figured we were going to get either Seth Rollins, maybe Finn Balor. There was even probably uh, Samoa Joe being thrown out there. But Cesaro was great. He looked great in the ring. The match was awesome. But I just have a problem with the winner of the match, though. But I felt like, to me, out of everybody, Cesaro probably may have deserved a title shot more than anyone else in that ring. I mean, that's it's debatable, but... In terms of tenure with WWE, yes. I mean, he has been out of action. And you have people that have stepped up in his absence. I feel like it's not something negative against him to not give him the title shot or not give him, you know, a chance at it. But I feel like it's justification for him to put him immediately back in the title scene upon his arrival or return. Um, now, a lot of people will agree with you that they're probably not in agreement with the winner. But before we get into who won the match, get into a little bit of how the match actually happened and how we got to that point. You know, of course, AJ Styles and Chris Jericho have history. And they immediately went after each other to begin the match, which led Owens and Cesaro to battle it out. You have a bunch of counters with Y2J putting the walls of Jericho on Cesaro and then Cesaro actually countering it into the sharpshooter, which that in itself had the crowd on its feet. And I mean, a lot of people were excited to see those two men going at it. And it ended up with Chris Jericho and AJ Styles at the end of the match going head to head almost some would say a rematch of the night before, but whereas AJ Styles lost the match at WrestleMania and others thought that that was bad booking, come to find out AJ Styles was about to get the biggest win of his WWE career and it would be against Chris Jericho. AJ Styles hits uh, Y2J with the Styles Clash and picks up the victory and now is the number one contender for the WWE Championship and will face Roman Reigns at Payback. Now, a lot of people, I think, are having mixed reactions on that. I'm okay with it. I just feel like AJ Styles is going to not job to Roman Reigns. I don't see him going over. Would you agree with that? I mean, I know that you're not happy with the decision of having AJ Styles in the picture, but he's in it and you can't change it. So what do you see as far as AJ Styles versus Roman Reigns? Are you excited about that at least? No, not really. I mean, <laughs> he's going to have to, you know, job to Roman and rightfully so. I mean, how do you put a guy who just walked in to the company 
in late January. Practically the only few that he's ever been in was against uh, Chris Jericho. And then you say, hey, let's just get him, make him the number one contender. You, you're just going to have to job. That's, that's just the bottom line. There's no way AJ Styles should even think about possibly believing that he's going to win at pay, uh, payback or whatever. Um, okay, so how about this? What if AJ Styles doesn't lose? What if AJ Styles gets cheated out of it? Let's say that he still doesn't get the title, so I'm okay with that. And others might be. I mean, a lot of people will probably say that anybody other than Roman Reigns is okay. But let's say for a little bit that Roman Reigns' heel turn is coming and that we've seen a little bit of it, you know, on Monday night. So what if, like Charlotte, he gets the title from Triple H cleanly but defends it and retains it by cheating every time. I mean, that pretty much writes itself if he's turning heel that he cheats to retain his title every time. It's not going to make the challengers look bad because they're not losing cleanly to Roman Reigns, but it puts heat on Roman Reigns as if he needs more. It puts heat on Roman Reigns as a heel champion and... That just seems like the direction that they're going to go. I mean, I could be wrong, but... I I really, like I said before, it really... Roman Reigns really doesn't need to be turned heel because it's not going to help him as a heel. It's not going to help him uh, being good. No one cares about Roman Reigns at this time. But the logical... Um, I just want to make logical sense of what good would come from AJ Styles being the champion. Obviously, there's going to be some kind of feud between him and Roman Reigns, if that's the case. But hopefully it's like, hey, it's a um, it's a, a squash fest. And then maybe every week or after a major pay-per-view, We'll see someone else trying to compete again for the number one contender, and we see somebody else. And there's no really no real uh, feud between anybody. It's just a whole bunch of people trying to compete and see who can take down the Roman Empire. And this could last a long time until probably Seth Rollins' return. But like I said, I'm okay with Roman Reigns being champion. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. I just have a problem with a guy who's been in the company for a couple of months and he's already getting a title shot. It's just like Kevin Owens last year comes up from NXT to the main roster, and he's already getting a title shot for John Cena, against John Cena. Yeah, I mean, I agree to an extent. I I am a little biased. It is AJ Styles, and let's face it, if, if it wasn't for people like AJ Styles, there wouldn't be a Roman Reigns. There wouldn't be a Seth Rollins. So, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm torn on that one. Do I think that he needs to win it? No. Am I okay with him being in the title picture to where he may have a shot? Yes. Because he's already in the title picture now. There's nothing to say that he can't go for the other titles, like the IC title or the U.S. title. 
and have a really nice run with that. I just I don't want them to build him up so fast that there's nowhere for him to go but down because they've done that before with people and that's a dangerous way to to bring someone up on the roster is have them reach the apex and then where do you go once you've reached that glass ceiling I feel like that's what they're doing with the Miz the, the Miz kind of he, he got the victory or his title shot so quickly and his title reigned so quickly that there was nowhere for him to go but down at that point. So, but I mean, I could be completely wrong. Either way, it's going to be an entertaining match to see. You're going to have the phenomenal forearm versus the Superman punch. So, be interesting to see. Um, the match ends with obviously AJ picking up the victory and celebrating with the audience. And from what I hear, the celebration continued past uh, Raw going off the air, which was pretty cool. Uh, it was definitely cool seeing AJ Styles' expression on his face because even he was still taking it all in that he was even there, I think. But overall, what would you grade the show? Any any positive takes of the show? Any negative takes? Of course, there's going to be some negative takes. Negative takes were those, that crowd, that Dallas crowd. Well, you guys, you know what? I had so much hopes for that that Dallas crowd that now is like the WrestleMania, the Raw after WrestleMania next year. It's like, you know what? Just don't say nothing. Just cheer and that's it. Don't try to be so creative. Um, like I said earlier, the best part of the uh, night was the debut of Enzo and Cass. Uh, sky's the limit with them. They're a great tag team. They're going to entertain the heck out of us. Um, I would grade Raw a B-. A B-. Okay, so worst part of the night since you've already worst mentioned your, your best part. Um, the worst part of the night was um, has to be it's a toss-up between the segment where the crowd were like messing up or chanting Bailey when Charlotte was trying to do her thing, and AJ Styles actually being the number one contender. I would I would definitely agree with you. Yeah, that's the fans made that the worst part of the night for me. It, it would not have been the worst part of the night had it not been for the fans. Uh, the fans. You know, congratulations, guys, you ruined that. I mean, if it wasn't for that, it would have been the Tyler Breeze Apollo Cruz. But that's only because I would have liked to seen Tyler Breeze showcased as much as Apollo Cruz, Baron Corbin, and Enzo and Big Cass were. Uh, my favorite part of the night. I mean, along with probably everybody else, was Enzo and Big Cass making their debut. They even surpassed my expectations as to what they what they did as far as on the mic. I mean, they didn't even wrestle yet, and it was one of the most impressive Raw debuts so far. As far as the paper, I mean, the the Raw goes, I'm not going to be so harsh on it as probably some people have been. I'll give it a B plus. 
the matches. Some of them were just repeats of the night before. But with them being repeats, both matches led to different segues into another feud. So, I mean, you Dudley Boys and the Usos repeat from Sunday night, but it led to the debut of Enzo and Cass. AJ Styles and Y2J fought again, but it led to AJ Styles' main eventing payback next month. So, overall... It was it was a great show to me. Seventy thousand fans, it was sold out, and I honestly feel like they need to start doing these smaller venues from now on, because it it seems like it's it puts on a better show there, because it reminds me of NXT and ECW in their their later stages. So it it worked for me. So instead of like maybe on the average going to an arena or stadium or something that holds like maybe over 70,000, maybe 20,000 is okay with you? Most definitely, yeah. I mean, it, it makes it more exclusive to me. It, I feel like if you want a good product, you don't have to try so hard. It should just automatically just come together and... With these larger venues, you know, they're so much, you know, focused on filling the seats. And, like, well, you have these huge venues, but your product is not that great. People don't want to fill the seats. I mean, you put smaller venues together, limited seating, but you put on a hell of a product. I mean, it's supply and demand. I mean, it's simple economics. Oh, um, according to uh something i read earlier that you know they made 17 million dollars at the gate in ticket sales for wrestlemania so that's not too bad i i wouldn't doubt it no i mean that's not bad but that's wrestlemania but i'm i'm all for quantity over uh, quality over quantity so but anything that you would like to add before we head out of here I want you crowd to shut up. That's all I want for you guys to shut up. Stop booing everything. Stop saying stupid stuff just because it's so fun. But I will allow the whole CM Punk chance. That's that's allowable. Um, I'm glad that we have women wrestling or the women's division. That's awesome. And I think the tag team division is going to get better now. Because soon we're going to get, uh, in fact, we're going to get on SmackDown, the VOD villains. I hate their gimmick, but I love the way they wrestle. They they are great performers. And we get the return of Epico and Primos coming soon. So tag team wrestling is something to look forward to now on. It, I'm glad you said that because it actually is starting to look that way. And I've said to some people before in the past that, it scares me to see the VOD villains on the main, the main roster. I feel like SmackDown's a good debut for them because it's still a smaller stage. Raw, I don't think that they would get the same reaction because their music doesn't get much of a pop. It's not an exciting entrance, but they've got this notoriety about themselves that you know, once their music hits, I think people will pop regardless, or at least I hope so. 
but that uh i think will do it for us unless you have anything else you want to add oh i'm I'm good good. all right maybe roman reigns can change his uh his little slogan to boo i don't know maybe he could just yell boo from now on that way the crowd's booing with him or believe that wow we wouldn't even go there and then we definitely have to end the show on that one so (laughs) want to uh want to thank Max Sports Channel and Power Station FM. As always, catch us at wrestlinggoonsradio.blogspot.com. Check us out on all the social media networks. Download us on iTunes and Stitcher. And for Brian Compton and Daniel Tanner, this is Wrestling Goons Radio, podcast from the IWC for the IWC, and we'll see you when we see you. <laughs>